turn to Philippians chapter 2. We are back in Philippians chapter 2. And as we are coming up to the end of Philippians chapter 2, we have one more person after this person to speak about. But the Apostle Paul has been blessing us in stressing on how a Christian life ought to be lived. And that is with humility, selflessness, and seeing the need of others above our own need. And the Apostle Paul gave us the perfect example when he began with Jesus Christ, who although was in the form of God, he did not count equality a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He became a servant and he obeyed even to the point of the cross, even to the point of death. And we look at Jesus as our perfect example on how we ought to live that humble, selfless life. And then we saw last time uh, the Apostle Paul himself then uses himself as an example. Because in this whole chapter, we are, we are told to live a life that is pleasing and worthy to, to God. Live selfless, humble lives. And we are told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is God that works through us. And then we are told to do all these things without the wonderful words that really annoyed everybody was grumbling and disputing. And now where Paul takes us to the next example, which is not little Timothy that we know in our church, but Timothy, a young man, to show us as another example on on how we ought to live our lives. In fact, as we, we, we looked at last time, and as I said, what kind of a legacy should we leave behind and the effect that we have on people, we're going to see one person that Paul the Apostle had a massive effect upon, and that is Timothy. And some of you men who are coming to the studies as we did yesterday, it is crucial for us to get beside people to build them up, to serve them, and teach the younger generation how to live holy and godly lives, how to live content in Christ. Get beside them. Teach them how to live blameless and innocent in this perverse and crooked generation that they may shine as the next generation of lights in this dying world. And what we're going to see here is this wonderful wonderful truth between two men, a wonderful relationship that these two men have in building each other up. That is the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Of course, we're going to stress on Timothy today. But I want you to notice that. And the building up that we are talking about here, it is not coming together and building each other up about how to do your house and how to do this and, and how to work out or how to do whatever it is. This has to do simply and solely with the Christian walk. And I can tell you something, next to Christ and the joy that you have in Jesus, there is nothing more wonderful to get someone in your life to love you and to lift you up and you lift them up. There is something special about that. And what we'll see here is these few verses, is this wonderful picture of Timothy who not only listens to the Apostle Paul, but he actually becomes like the Apostle Paul. And as Paul encouraged Timothy, Timothy encouraged Paul. I want to share that with you really quickly. 
that let's understand something, and I'll bring this up maybe later on in a bit more details, that your elders of this church need as much as encouragement as they give you. They lead you, but they need encouragement. And the Apostle Paul had that with Timothy. As he stands as an example for us, for a person who was transformed by Christ in his new birth, and his desire was for Christ, for the gospel, for his brother Paul, and as we will see, for the Philippian church. We ought to pray for Timothy's to be built up in this church, for Timothy's to rise up in this church. As we see this portion of Scripture, the importance of this is very clear. I named this sermon the persistent servant. The persistent servant. Now, this is a P, by the way, in your tulip, if you want to know. Okay? He's persistent. He's perseverance. He perseveres. And what we'll look at is three things. One, the available servant. This is Timothy. He's the available servant. Two, he's a sincere servant. And three, he's a reliable servant. This is something that we ought to aspire as believers. To live selfless lives, humble lives, and lives that are pleasing to the Lord. From verse 19, and we'll look at the first point, the available servant. From verse 19 to verse 24. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven worth. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving the father. Therefore, I hope to send him to you immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. The first thing we see here is that Paul says, but... In contrast, not so much in contrast, but if I can't come there, Paul is saying, if I can't make it there, I'm going to send Timothy to you shortly. And his hope is in the Lord. I want you to notice that. But I hope. I think maybe it's good just for a second, just to park here for a minute, because that's where our salvation begins. Our salvation begins in hope. This is who we are. This is where we live. We live in hopeful not hopelessness. We are looking for the blessed hope, are we not? And anyone who is in Christ is a new creation and he hopes in him. He hopes in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, I hope, I trust in the Lord Jesus, in my Redeemer, who is in control of my circumstances, to send Timothy to you. Paul was, was hoping in the Lord as much as his hope, his joy was in the Lord. He was hoping in the Lord as much as he was resting in the Lord. He was hoping in the Lord as much as he's serving the body of Christ. He was hoping in the Lord as much as he was boasting in the Lord. 
Let's understand something that everything that we do, brothers and sisters, and everything that we have, we have because we have a hope. And we trust in the Lord. Paul, don't forget, he is in prison. And he says, I hope to send Timothy to you. I trust. And I think I just want to just understand this. Hope is a wonderful word to understand. Because Paul, when he was downcast, he had hope in the Lord. His affections are for the Philippians, but he's saying, if God wills it, if God wills it, I submit to his will. I hope in him that I can send him to you. And the word there, hope, is actually a present active verb, which means he was continuously living a life in submission to hoping under God's rule. But we see Timothy here. Let's talk about Timothy. If you're a person who is imprisoned for the gospel, and you are persecuted, and you are chained to a guard, to be affiliated with Paul, you're in, you can be in danger yourself. But what we see here with Timothy, he instead of running away from Paul and going somewhere else and saying, maybe God has called me to go to the Bahamas, you know, God has called me to go to a place, I don't know, Queensland, because it's nice and warm. He was near the Apostle Paul. But just a little bit of a background on, on Timothy so we can get our head around it. Timothy was brought up by his mother and his grandmother, who were both in the faith. We can read that in 2 Timothy, instructing him the way that he should be. But Timothy came to saving faith perhaps in the first missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. And I think you can read that in chapter 14 of Acts and 16. And this began this wonderful relationship with Paul. And when Paul wrote Philippians, since the time that he met Timothy, it's already been 10 years. And Timothy, 10 years later, he's still faithfully serving next to Paul. I want you to understand that he's faithfully serving next to Paul. And I want you to think about this. In this little bit of a period that saving grace has been birthed through sovereignty of God, we have seen all sorts of people come here, come and go. We have seen people being sleepy soldiers, lazy athletes, careless workers for the kingdom of God, but this Timothy, Paul vouches for him. We want to be like Timothy. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to be sleepy. We don't want to be careless. We want to make ourselves available. Paul calls him a true child in the faith. In fact, later on he says in verse 24, uh, 20, 22, he says that Timothy is serving him like a child serving the father. You see that connection that these two had. And Paul says he's my beloved son, a fellow worker, a brother in Christ. This man is what we want to aspire to be. A man who is available and 10 years later, he is still available for his beloved pastor. He is a man who was with Paul when Paul wrote Romans, when Paul wrote 2 Corinthians and and and. and and Philippians, and Colossians, and the Thessalonians, and Philemon. Uh, this man was continuously a man who you could rely on. 
Paul says, I hope to send Timothy to you shortly. I want to send him quickly. As soon as I can, I want to send him to you. And let's understand something. These guys were not around the corner. They were not from here to St. Albans or Melton. Or to, what's closer here? Gladstone Park. They were like 1,200 kilometers away. So Timothy did not have a plane. He could not catch a bus. He could not call Uber. He did not have a bike. So this would have been a tiresome task for him. And he had to report back to Paul. Pay attention to the availability, okay? Because he did not have email. He wasn't going to make a group chat on Viber and say, you know what, I'm going to go there, Paul. I'll get there eventually, and then we'll make a group chat. And I'll let you know how the Philippians are going. He had to travel back to tell him what's going on with these people. Do you see that? This is a completely new meaning of availability. When we say, I'm available, at the best of time, when we say I'm available, I will say, you know, I'm available. But you know what? Call me whenever you need me. You know, I'm available for you, brother. But, you know, just back off. I'm available. That's not what's happening here. With, with In fact, uh, Timothy doesn't even say anything. It's actually Paul sending him. That's how available he was. He says, I'm going to send him to you. He doesn't say, I'm going to ask Timothy if he would like to come. He says, I'm going to send him to you. That's what we call availability. He was available. He was ready. He was in the midst of the action. He put his hand in the plow and he did not look back. That's what we want to aspire. We want to say, I am available. Here at Saving Grace Bible Church, we continuously encourage you, if you want to grow in the likeness of Christ, you know, serve one another. Because this is what we see in the Scripture. We've seen that with the Apostle Paul. We've seen that with Jesus. And we see that with Timothy. But there is something else that we encourage you to do often. Be available, but be teachable. Because that's what this person was. He was taught by Paul and he learned from Paul and he was becoming just like Paul. So he wasn't not only just available, he was ready and he was teachable. He was ready to go. We do not see Timothy here grumbling and complaining, but having a humble attitude in whatever he learned from Paul and he was willing to go. This servant, he was not um, just worried about the persecution he was there with paul he hung around with paul i remind you again that he was risking his life here he could have easily been tied up himself to a guard yet this disciple he's risking his comfort he's risking his peace his joy his freedom just like his teacher as i said last time what an impact we can have in people's lives here now. That may last, you know, even after we're gone. The Apostle Paul had this impact, and this is proof with, with this 
servant who was wanting, willing, no question asked, ready to go. This is Paul's spiritual son. And Paul was Timothy's spiritual father. That's Timothy's <clears throat> making himself available. And Paul says, I want to send him to you so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So Paul is sending him there. I can't wait. If I can't get there, I'm going to send Timothy to you so that Timothy can report back to me. And I want to learn what's happening with you because I want to be encouraged. So if Timothy went there, then what on earth would Timothy have to look for in a, in a positive sense to bring back to Paul so that Paul would be encouraged? Well, it wouldn't be, I want to hear that they're grumbling and that they're disputing. And that they're selfish. All the things that Paul has been saying. So what will Paul or Timothy be looking for? Well, if Paul's prayers were answered. Let's see if my prayers are answered. Report back to me. Are they in fellowship? Are they growing in love? Are they growing in excellence and sincerity and purity? Are they doing these things? Because that's... What's going to encourage Paul? That's what he's been praying for them for. That's what he's been encouraging them to do. So what, will, what else would he be looking for? Timothy will be looking, are they living their lives as citizens of heaven? Are they standing firm in the faith? Are they striving? Because this is what Paul's been writing in the whole letter. Are they working out their salvation with fear and trembling? Are they living blameless lives and not mixed with the world? Are they being light in this darkened world without disputing? Are they worshipping in the spirit and in truth? Are they honoring Christ and one another? Now, this is what would be encouraging to Paul. I think it's a really good way for us to examine. If God was to send a, a Timothy to us to report, what would our report be? What would Timothy report back, not so much to Paul, but to God? Of Saving Grace Bible Church, are we grumblers? Are we complainers? Are we selfish? And Timothy, here is this man who is available and he is a model for us to be ready to go, to be ready to serve. Immediately, leaving everything behind. And he's going to go on this trip. Not like our brother wears is on a plane and Sunday. No, no, no. This would have been a hard task for him to do. And he was willing to go. Now that's his availability. That's our first point. And that brings us to the next point as we continue with the traits of Timothy that we want to learn. And that brings us to the sincere servant. He's not only a servant who is available and ready to go and ready to come back to bring news to Paul, to serve Paul and to serve the church. He's actually sincere. Look at verse 20 and 21. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned 
for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. So here's another trait. He's of kindred spirit. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, this is the reason why I'm sending Timothy. I want to send Timothy because he's of kindred spirit. And kindred spirit portrays a person who was of the same mind, one and the same soul. They have the same common ground. We ought to be kindred spirits with one another, brethren. This speaks of one and the same person in that sense. Paul is saying here that me and Timothy, Timothy and I, we are inseparable in heart. We are connected in our minds. We have one soul and we are united in Christ. That's what that means, a kindred spirit. Whatever Paul believed, Timothy believed. Whatever Paul preached, Timothy preached. This is a wonderful, wonderful truth to understand when you're connecting with those who are actually discipling you. The Apostle Paul, rather the Timothy, was like a carbon copy of the Apostle Paul. He sees like Paul. He has the understandings like Paul. He loves like Paul. He knows the gospel like Paul. He serves like Paul. He has the same, same Things as Paul. And by Paul saying, I will send Timothy to you who is like minded, here's what Paul is saying it is as if I'm sending myself to you. If I can't get there myself, Timothy is coming instead. Whatever this young man says to you, it's as if you are hearing it from me, from my own lips. You cannot have someone who is sincere and truthful and be like this as Paul sees him of kindred spirit. Let me tell you something one more time. Unless you are teachable to the things of God. You're going to become kindred spirit. You're going to grow in this likeness only if you are teachable. His love is my love, Paul says. His affection is my affection. His service is my service. His compassion is my compassion. His heart is my heart. If you see him, you've seen me. That's what this is saying. That's a sincere man. This Timothy, he was willing, faithful. He was loving. He was concerned for the Philippian church. And he was a massive encouragement to the apostle Paul. Let's understand that. Let's not overlook that. Because what Timothy was, and he's vouching for him, he was those things to the Apostle Paul first. That's why he could actually uh, vouch for him. And what this tells us, brothers and sisters, as I've mentioned before, that Christianity, true biblical Christianity, is not a lone ranger thing. It's not. It is getting your hands dirty next to others. It is about fellowship, unity, availability, and blessing others as Timothy was blessing Paul and blessing the church. And what we see here is the 
the Apostle Paul, although he was a mighty man of God, as perhaps one of the greatest Christians who ever walked planet Earth, even the Apostle Paul needed encouragement. And as I said to you before, your elders who labor over you and love you and encourage you to run the race and set that example for you, as the Apostle Paul did for Timothy, we have no greater joy than Timothy be raising up women and men of that, in, that, in that sense. But our joy is to see you, women and men, to become Timothys all the more. And not just say, thank you, Brother Ralph, thank you, Brother Wares, great sermon, great teaching. Our desire is that from that teaching, you are becoming a Timothy. You are becoming humble. And you have a spirit that is the same as those who teach you. This is really, really crucial for us to understand. Timothy is not seeking his, his own service, but he's serving others. I have no one else of kindred spirit. What does that tell us? It tells us this, that those who are of kindred spirit are a minority. Right? And the majority of those who are the opposite, as we will see. There are contrasts. People don't want to be Timothys. Why? Too busy. Too busy with life. I've got to build a house. I've got to get married. I've got to start a business. Got to buy a farm. Grow the cows. And I have things to do, man. I've got to buy myself a new car. My yard is out of whack. My home, and it could be even godly things, even your own children. No one else of kindred spirit who would genuinely be concerned for your welfare. This is what we read a compassionate heart. He not only is available, he has a kindred spirit, he has a heart of compassion. He is genuinely concerned for your welfare. Did you get that? He has a compassionate, humble heart, a kind heart. He is moved with compassion for what? For himself? Read the text. It says, I have no one of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned, not for his welfare, not for his traveling, not, not for himself, but for you. And this speaks of someone who is truthful, someone who is honorable. This man is not two-faced. He is sincere. He really is concerned about you. He is as genuine as a heart attack. He does not say in your face, I love you, I serve you, and then grumble and complain and gossip about you behind your back. That's not what this word means. Genuine means exactly that, genuine. He was humble. As we saw last time that the Apostle Paul, above his persecution and his shipwrecked and his stoning and left for dead and all the things that happened to him, he said above all that, he had a huge concern for the churches. This is what we see the Apostle, um, uh, Timothy rather, 
following the Apostle Paul, having a concern, a great concern for them. And the word concern there speaks of someone who is actually anxious and has anxiety, but not in a negative sense. This speaks about it in a positive sense. I am so, so worried about, I just want to know that you're doing okay. It's an emotional, effectual, loving way that the Apostle Paul is concerned, and so is Timothy. This is revealing something wonderful inside. That he's putting himself aside, and he's following his teacher, and he's saying, I have the concern for them, just like you do. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. How concerned are you often for the welfare of your brethren? How often does it come into your mind that you are so concerned for your brethren that it's almost like you're anxious to find out that they're okay? How often do you do that? Here's this affectionate man who has grown in a likeness of the Apostle Paul and the teaching and the preaching of the Apostle Paul were not just falling on deaf ears. They were running through the veins of Timothy. And Timothy was the perfect example for us of why we ought to disciple others. But I'll say it again. Timothy was willing to listen. We can disciple young men and you older ladies, not so old, older. You can disciple younger ladies and we can disciple one another. But the disciple, the one who's receiving it, unless they are willing and available and willing, the desire to be taught, they will never grow. You're never going to grow. You're going to put your guards up. You're going to complain. You're going to find excuses. Ralph talks too much. I can't have Ralph to disciple me. John definitely talks too much. And Brother Wes talks above all. So I, I pick and choose. Well, sorry, brother. Where are you? You're up there somewhere. Right? But here we are. If we want to build Timothys, you have to want to be a Timothy. You have to want it. You have to desire it. And what do we see here? He is genuinely concerned for these people. And then the Apostle Paul, look at this. He shows us that he's Christ-focused. Look at verse 21. He makes this distinction. Why? For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Why does Paul insert this in here? He's making a contrast with those you already spoke about in chapter 1. I'll just quickly read it to you. In chapter 1, um, Verse 27, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 to 17, sorry. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill, the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, and the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In that I rejoice, Paul doesn't care. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that I will return, and so on and so forth. So these people here that are actually proclaiming the gospel, these, these teachers who are against Paul, 
Paul says Timothy is completely the opposite of them. They are seeking their own interest. And, the, and, and Timothy, my beloved son in the faith, he is seeking your welfare. He's fulfilling what Paul has been saying all along here in chapter 2. To see the interest of others above yourselves. That's what Timothy is showing us here. He's totally the opposite and he is now being that light that doesn't look at himself, but he looks at the benefits of others. Now, let me tell you something. If you have someone in your life whom you can trust, and I mean for the things of God, I don't mean get together and gossip and slander and talk about someone and talk about stuff. We're talking about building up. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It really, really is. And the Apostle Paul has that with Timothy. And what this shows us this is the Apostle Paul, he needed that encouragement. He needed someone beside him because things, Paul's in prison and he's being mocked. But when you have someone beside you and something goes wrong in your life, they are there to build you up and to pick you up. Timothy was like that with the Apostle Paul. And that means this. When those who are supposed to be as those men are supposed to be, they're supposed to preach the gospel out of, you know, love, and, but they're doing it out of selfishness and, and things like that. You get to cherish those who are actually really in love with Christ with you all the more. Because those who are against you, they become a burden to you. Let me explain something to you. Let me, let me give you what, what I mean by that. This has happened to me in the past. Where those who were supposed to be my friends, who were supposed to be believers in the work of Christ with me, they lifted up the hill against me. And they persecuted me and brought all sorts of pain and sorrow in my heart. But God, through his sovereignty, God, through his amazing hand, he had someone in my life to show me, to build me up and say, hey, you have a greater task than this. And through that, you know what God did? He grew me all the more in love for Jesus. And I look at those people and now I pity them. I pity them that they will claim to be believers and yet they did everything out of selfish ambitions and not the interest of others. And this is what we see with the Apostle Paul and with Timothy. Because when God brings someone in your life and you see others in contrast, as Paul is saying here, they bring trials and tribulations. But it's so wonderful to have someone in your life who can speak into your life and remind you of the things above. And Paul needed this and we all need this. And so this brings us to the next, the next point. Yeah, um, Timothy is a reliable servant. He's reliable. He's a reliable servant. Look at verse 22 to 24 and we'll read it together. Just verse 22 for now. But you know of his proven word, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. For the serve, 
for the furtherance of the gospel. And this word here, proven worth, it means, he, it's one word by the way in the Greek, it means he was tested. So Paul, he's saying, this man I'm sending to you. And by the way, they actually already knew Timothy. Because Timothy was there with the Apostle Paul. You can read that in the book of Acts. When the church was birthed. But he's saying this man is mature. That's what this word means. He has been tested. His character has been proven to be upstanding. The Apostle Paul says he has been tested. Paul uses this word when he sends off believers in, in um, 1 Corinthians. And he says there, there will be uh, one sent to you. I'm sending him to you. And that means he has been tested. I'm sending him to you. Paul uses the same word when he says the deacons have to be tested. And, and, and Paul uses the same word when he speaks about that one day we will give an account to God for what we have done in our body. Each one's work tested. What does that mean? Well, Paul, he's saying here that, the, uh, that Timothy was tested as a soldier will be tested. Timothy was tested under pressure. And to see if Timothy was willing for, to die for his platoon. What does that mean? Timothy was ready and he was a soldier. I'll give another illustration. You will use this as an athlete. Timothy was tested as an athlete under heavy training to see if he would endure, if he would tolerate. And what Paul is saying, Timothy has been tested. And this you would use for a farmer, where you would train a man and test them and let them work hard. And then they would be blessed with the labor at the end. This is used for gold where you would test gold and put it in the fire, and then the gold will come forth pure. And what Paul is saying, Timothy was proven and is pure and sincere in his conduct. And this Timothy, I am actually sending him to you. He has proven to be reliable. And what Paul is saying here, basically teaching us that in our character, in our Christian character, it grows under testing. Our Christian character grows under trials, under mockery, under persecution, under serving. And he's saying, Timothy has passed the test, and I'm sending him to you. And he says, he served with me. See? He not, alone, not only his proven worth of his character, he is a servant. He is a servant. And that word there, serve, in actual fact, can be translated slaved. He's a slave. He's in submission to Christ, but he's still, listen, he's still in submission to his elder. And Paul is an elder himself. He is a servant alongside Paul continually, why it says in the furtherance of the gospel. It's for the gospel. Paul was a slave of the gospel. So was Timothy working with him night and day. Timothy continually and willingly and submissively, his heart was serving Christ 
Paul and his church. It's such a great bond they had, right? What bond did they have? Look at verse 22 again. But you know his proven worth that he served with me for the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving a father. This is the, this is the way that Timothy was serving Paul. This is a great picture of un unity, of humility, of love. Whatever the father does, the son follows. Whatever, whatever the father possesses, the, the, the son possesses. Wherever the father goes, the, the child goes with him. This is a great picture of two people connected. Of course, we need Timothys for the whole church. But this got me thinking. I don't know how many of you have seen The Lord of the Rings. You know, this got me thinking of two people in there. You know, they were going after the ring. I don't know how many of you have seen The Lord of the Rings, but. You know, there is two people, you know, Frodo and Sam, who have this bond, right, to go and get this ring. I don't know if you've seen some of you have seen it. And, and, and they have to get this ring, magical ring. And, but they go through all these trials and all these tribulations to get to this ring. And they outdo one another. They have such a loyal love for one another until they got to this ring. That they would die for one another. This is the picture that we see with the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Of course, they weren't going after the ring. They, they were actually in service to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who, who holds the keys of the universe. Okay, So they weren't looking for a ring, but they were in fellowship in such love and such unity together. That kind of reminded me of that. And therefore, Paul concludes, I hope to send him immediately. As soon as I see how things go with me, I want to send him to you. And I, I trust in the Lord that I will send him to you quickly to see how things go with me. And then he goes on to say uh, in verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I myself will come quickly. But what's amazing about this is that Timothy, as I said, he's got no problem going. We don't, we don't read anywhere here that that Timothy is complaining. There is no hint that Timothy did not have joy in doing this because he's genuinely concerned for their welfare. He is a willing servant. He's able, he's available, he's ready to go, he is sincere. He is willing to leave all of his comfort, everything behind, drop everything and just go. And Paul then, like I said, he ends with the fact that maybe I'll come and see you as well, if the Lord wills. If God wills it, I trust in the Lord that I myself will be coming shortly. I just have to see what happens with me. I'm either going to get killed or I'm not going to get killed. But if I don't make it, this man is the man for you. So, what do we take out of this? This is a picture of another humble servant. He is available servant, he is sincere, and he is reliable. What do we do with this? Well, let me begin by giving you just some stuff to think about as an application. Are you building biblical relationships at Saving Grace Bible Church?
not worldly relationships, not friendship relationships, but biblical relationships where you are building one another up. Not so much that you feel better about yourself, but that you will live sensibly, that you will live without grumbling, without disputing, selflessly for the service of Christ and for the body of Christ. Where does your hope lie when circumstances are shaded in your life? The Apostle Paul's hope is always in Christ. Always in Christ. Where is your hope? Are you making yourself available? Are you making yourself available for the body of Christ? For the service to the body of Christ? Timothy was willing and ready to go to the ends of the earth to serve the body of Christ and was concerned for them. How far will you go to bring relief to one of your brethren? How far will you go? You don't have to travel much. We've got cars. And at best, 98% of Saving Grace Bible Church, we literally live 20 minutes of one another. And 80%, we can walk to one another's homes. What are you risking for the church's sake and for the gospel? Because, because Timothy was risking his comfort, his joy, right? He was risking everything. He was hanging around with Paul. He was there with Paul and he had no problem to go somewhere else and come back and bring report to Paul. If the Lord then, I'll say it again, will send Timothy here, will we be found as soldiers who are standing firm? Will we be found as athletes who are running the race? Will we be found as hard workers? Because this is what we've been covering so far. Will we be found as servants of Christ Jesus, humble like Christ Jesus? Will we be found as citizens living as citizens of heaven, not this earth? Will we be found as selfless servants? Will we be found in proclaiming the gospel and being that light? Or if there was a Timothy that will bring report, that will see selfishness, grumbling, disputing, the heat is too hot, it's not enough, the mic is too loud, the food is too cold. What, 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 what would be the report from Saving Grace Bible Church? This is not a rebuke, brothers and sisters. It's an examining time according to the Scripture. But maybe something is stopping you from becoming this way. Maybe your earthly comforts and your worldly pleasures, your, your, your joy in this world, He's stopping you to making you for making you available because you're too busy with life. If I were to ask you, who are you like-minded with? Who are, who, who are you connected with? Who would you say? And then look at that person that you say you're connected with and see how they are in Christ. Do you have genuine concern for the welfare of the church?
These are hard questions, right? What is hindering you to be concerned? What will you do for the church? Who are you encouraging spiritually? Are you building anyone up? Because I know people that are continuously taking the discipleship, but they're never discipling someone else. We don't want to be that way, brothers and sisters. We want to disciple so they can disciple someone else, they can disciple someone else. That's how, that, that's how we spread a good cancer, the gospel. Okay, This is a good cancer to spread. Do you have compassion for others? How do you serve them? This might sound a little bit arrogant. Please forgive me because it might come across really arrogant. But do you encourage your elders? Do you encourage your elders as Timothy would encourage Paul? Because your elders need encouragement. They don't need a pat on the back. You want to encourage your elders. Let them know. Encourage them. And live your life for Christ. That's, that's encouraging to your elders. And I guess if there's a contrast between Timothy and these other people, we can ask the question, what interest are you seeking this morning? Perhaps none of these things, they have gone over your head. You know, Ralph, I don't know what Bible Ralph is reading. Maybe he's reading the Quran. It's gone over your head. This may simply be because you're not born again. It may simply be that you don't have the Spirit of God. You may think you're a believer. You may talk like a believer. You, you, you may even be amongst believers, but the Scripture does not move you. The Scripture, you're not convinced and you're not convicted. It may simply be that you do not have a new nature. If you come in week in and week out and hearing this and you are not moved, I plead with you that you would examine where you really truly are. Because it is a Spirit of God that moves us, that works. As we work out our salvation, God works through us. If you're still flatlining, as we said last time, something is wrong with you, not with God. Will we agree? God is not at fault. If His Word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, then it ought to cut into your bone and your marrow, either unto, unto repentance on to examining, whatever it is, and to encouragement. That's what the Word of God does. But maybe because you have not bowed your knee to Christ Jesus yet. You need to repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and say to God, I need you. I am a sinner before you. I have failed every law that you have ever come across in the Scriptures. I have fallen short of your glory. Lord, have mercy on me. Save me, God. And give me a new heart. I beg of you. Because I do not feel it. I do not have it. I do not know what this bald man is saying every week that I need to love my brethren. Because my brethren at the best of time, yeah, they're here. But there is no service. God, I want it. Beg God to save your soul. Beg the Lord Jesus and say, God, I need you. What do we do with this? Well, 
I pray that God spoke to you today as he did with me. Because what we see with Timothy, he was a persistent servant. And we see a continuous, a man who is continuously being made himself available, not for his own sake, but for the gospel's sake. He had a genuine heart and he was committed to Christ, to the Apostle Paul and to the church of Jesus Christ. So as we even read the covenant together, may this add to the covenant that we read, that we renew with one another and see, am I growing like Timothy? Am I genuine in my faith? Is my faith actually genuine? That I would genuinely love my brethren and put them before, before me as this young man did with the Apostle Paul. Father, we come before you, Lord. Your truth, Lord God, is, is a hammer. It would either bring us, Lord God, to repentance, unto salvation, to repentance, unto sanctification. We encourage us. We see this, this amazing young man who was willing to forsake all things for the sake of Christ as he followed even his teacher, the Apostle Paul. We may not be exactly like Timothy, but our desire is to grow in Timothy likeness. Uh, that we will be, Lord God, a house on fire for the Lord Jesus and outdo one another. Oh Lord, how, how often have you revealed this in Philippians alone? The importance of serving one another. The importance of outdoing one another. The importance, Lord God, of being selfless as Christ Jesus was selfless. So we pray, Father, that this truth did not fall on deaf ears, but on good soil, that your people will continue to bring forth fruit of righteousness, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And for those who do not know you yet, Father, I pray that they will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that they will see Jesus Christ, Lord God, as the only hope for them to have. For we have a hope that is beyond the grave. And we pray for those who are not saved, Father, that they will see this hope and be born anew. 